0: Hello, good morning, good morning. My name is Reed and I'm one of your student pastors here. And it's such an honor to be up here. It's so much fun for me to be up here and get to speak to you guys. Uh, And so if you're new, I'm sorry, but this is the Sunday that you chose. (laughs) If you've been here for a while, we're so glad that you're back. If you're online, thanks for watching. Uh, We are so glad that you are here. And so today, uh, you know what, actually, I have a severe ADHD. So I've had it running through my mind for like, since David said it, that there's a time capsule on campus. Like, is that for anybody else or just me? Like, if you want to meet after service and break in over there, uh, I mean, you can do it. Or like, maybe John can break it or something. I don't want to. I don't want to get in trouble. But like, if someone else could break it, uh, just go, I could see inside, that would be incredibly useful to me. Uh, So think about it. I don't pray about it. You have to the rest of the service uh, that if you want to get in on that, you can. Uh, But today I get the pleasure to talk to you about the Passover meal. And I think that there's such an interesting thing that happens. And so today um, we're going to be talking about the relationship or what happens between Jesus and Judas. And so I don't want to get totally caught up in the Passover meal, but I do want to talk about something that really interesting happens in the middle of this meal. And one of the things that I think is the most valuable thing to know is that as we get to the Passover meal, Jesus and his disciples are kind of sneaking into the city of Jerusalem. See, there's not another, there's not another place on this earth that at this time is more dangerous for him for Jesus and so i think he has this worry in his mind that if he gets caught before this meal this last supper with his disciples which he needs he needs to have this moment he needs to, to have what is going he needs to have this with his disciples so if he's going to have this moment he almost has to sneak into the most dangerous city that he knows he will be betrayed And he has to do it in a way that is very covert and very careful because he has to be so careful so that Judas doesn't betray him before the time is right. And one of the things that is super funny to me about the Passover meal is that it all happens around a table. And the table has long been a unifier. The table has long been a, a piece of furniture that for some reason... When we go on a date, we go out to eat. When we invite people over, we, we invite them over to eat around our table. And so I don't know if that's like the magic formula because I'm a simpleton. And so like table, eat, bonding experience. I don't know if it's that simple, but it kind of seems that way to me. Which is why it's no surprise that we pick up on the Passover meal where Jesus picks a table in Jerusalem for his final push to fulfill his purpose. So we know Jesus set himself up. We know he's working something intricate in this moment. He understood that there were people looking to kill him in Jerusalem, and he knew Judas was looking for the opportunities to set him up too, to give him up. So where does he go? He goes to the one place he knows for sure that Judas will betray him. And I'm sure that in Jesus' mind, this this is a passionate moment for him. It wasn't so much that he was saying goodbye to his disciples, even though I'm sure that played a part, as much as as now he arrived at the central reason as to why he came to man in the first place, to institute a new covenant with men based on his own sacrifice. This wasn't the beginning of the end. This was the beginning of the beginning. But what I want to focus on is something that happened around that table, something that quite honestly has me a little torn about how I feel and think about myself. See, in Middle Eastern culture, betraying a friend after eating a meal with him uh, is considered and uh, was and is still regarded the worst kind of treachery that you could ever make. Judas is such a well-known traitor. It's almost synonymous with his name, right? Like, we think of traitor, we think of Judas. And he's not the only one. We've always been uh, kind of drawn to these traitor stories, right? Like, Lando, when he sold Han Solo out, that was dirty. I'm not, I can't even, I want to justify things, but I can't. Ernesto and Coco, why? That was rude. I I don't get it. Peter Pettigrew, all I need to say is this guy looks like a rat. Uh, Look at him. He looks like one. He is one. He looks like one. Hans from Frozen, why? Anna was nice. And super awesome. This is wrong. Edmund, I relate with him. He can't lay out the Turkish delights. That's a problem. That's a problem. Or like for you people in, my, in here that are kind of like my dad, what about Fredo Corleone? Yeah, he betrayed his brother. Now he's at the bottom of Lake Tahoe. That's all I want to say. That's all I want to say. But the question is, is... Uh, this betrayal has me thinking, like, what do, you, what do you do when the table is misused, abused, manipulated? What do you do? You ever been betrayed before? I mean, I'm sure you have. Even the worst people in our history have been betrayed before. And even what they have to say isn't that great, right? Like, Caesar says, I love treason, but I hate a traitor. But has anyone ever done anything to you that every time you think about it, you still get a little too worked up about? Like it still brings it right back up to the surface. See, for me, it all started kind of in a drive-through of a specific fast food restaurant that I I shouldn't name. I pull up to the speaker and I start the anxiety-filled task of bargaining over today's meal. I say, yeah, I'd like 12 nuggets, please. She says, okay. And this point, we have an arrangement set. There's something between us. I pull up to the next window and fulfill my side of the bargain by giving payment. She smiles back, and at this time, we've entered a prosperous and solidified agreement. Correct? Yes. I pull up to the next window, and at this point, I receive eight. I replete eight chicken nuggets. (laughs) Happened to you before? Has this ever happened to you? I mean, how could she? This is the Lord's chicken after all. <laughs> the deceit, the betrayal I felt. I did not respond well in my mind because out loud I'm afraid of confrontation. So I, we had a verbal joust inside. But let me ask you, how do you respond to betrayal? You murder them? Swift kick to the shin? Pull a long con and get them back? Let everyone know how terrible they are. Try to smear their name. Use a lot of words that you don't let your kids say. Roll over, self-pity. What is it? I actually think the writer in Psalms seems to get my thinking. He says, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who are so arrogantly, uh, who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. This is my favorite part. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, that's my prayer. God have mercy on me, but them let hell open up and swallow them. Right? Come on. You know. I, I know I'm not alone. I'm not alone though. No. See, I think we have such a strong aversion to betrayal because we're really only betrayed by the people who are closest to us. Or at least the people we've coined on our team, right? So I want to dive a little deeper into the relationship between Judas and Jesus. And so I'm going to give you just a snapshot into this meal, right? And we're going to go through Mark, Luke, and Matthew, just real quick. I, when I said Mark, Matthew, and Luke, I feel like everybody in the room was like, oh, man, here we go. Uh, but I'm a youth pastor. We go fast, okay? All right, so Mark picks up in this. He says, in the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. For the son of man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the man, for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Luke puts it this way. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For I has been determined that the son of man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays me. The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Matthews is really simply put. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus said, you said it. I don't know if you have anybody been in that situation before where someone maybe you really, like really mad and they were like, I'm sorry, have I upset you? And you don't want to like commit to the confrontation, the, the confrontation. So you're like, you said it. I don't know. Is that just me? I'm a middle child. So I instigate and I avoid. <laughs> I'm like, you said it. I didn't say it. You said it. (laughs) But I can't imagine that in this room, like what a shockwave that hit everybody in the room. Hey, you're going to betray me. See, what I think is crazy is they all went through this together. They went through that being secretive together. They went through having a bounty on their head together. They went through sneaking into Jerusalem Together, they've went through a lot of life together. And they avoided this treachery, this betrayal that they were so afraid of for so long together. But is it a shockwave? I mean, the more you read, let's be serious, the more you see and you realize that Jesus was in on it the whole time. What I love is that Judas set the trap, but Jesus set the stage and you see, I've kind of had my own Jesus moment before where I felt like this, where I was wanted, told I was needed. One of the uniqueest things I think about working in ministry or a profession like it is that your professional and your personal are so uniquely intertwined. You can't avoid a lot of your personal stuff being involved with your professional stuff. See, when you actually go to hire someone, it actually, you hire them it's not like you're just hiring their skill set. You're, you're saying yes to them. My first job was exactly this, exciting. The pastor said he loved us, needed us, until sometime he didn't. And, man, it hurt. It hurt me deeply. It hurt my wife. It hurt the people that were our friends. And one of the reasons why it did is because we had a lot of friends There. We had a lot of people wrapped up in our story there who now didn't talk to us, unfriended us. Man, where do you go when you're betrayed? So my dad was a pastor, and so I I knew that things like this would happen. I knew things like this did happen to people in our profession, but dang, not to me. And some of you feel the exact same, betrayed by your previous church. Betrayed by this church, ooh. And no, not because they're making me speak to you. That is not why you have been betrayed. (laughs) And let's be real, it's okay to feel how you feel. Sometimes I don't like the church. You know why? People are messed up, but my God isn't. And until I started being real with how I felt and, how, and started having some crazy honest conversations about my upbringing, what church was like for me, what church people did, what I saw church people do to my dad, man, I, I was actually kind of stuck. Betrayal got me stuck thinking that maybe I shouldn't be involved with Christians. It's the only reason we're here is because of an unwavering faith in the mission God called us to. I still don't like the church sometimes. And yeah, I get it. Sometimes you don't either. But God has a different play he's putting on and one that, you know what, honestly, sometimes I don't see and I don't understand. And he's worked a lot of things out for my good since then. But as Mr. Rogers said, feelings aren't facts, but they are mentionable and manageable. If we don't mention and manage our feelings, misguided or unhealthy feelings will lead us to unhealthy decisions. Unhealthy decisions didn't work out for Judas, and mismanaged emotions can lead to a mismanaged life. See, I understand that some of you in this room are hurt. I understand that some of you in this room are betrayed. I understand that some of you in this room could be angry. And you want, let's be honest, I had the same pastor for like 18 years. That's because he was my dad. You guys chose yours for 20. And he's leaving. And it's okay to feel however you feel about that. Let's be honest. It's his time to retire. You guys made him lose all his hair. He's, he, he needs to golf more. He's put in his work. He's put in his time. But here's where I started to get confused about my own feelings and thoughts. I had to ask myself if I was Jesus because in in reality I I really want to be. Or if I was Judas. And I think it's probably a simplification of things, but really I want to empathize with Jesus and say I resonate more with Jesus. I think it's easier for me to say, yeah, of course, I'm Jesus. Jesus. And I do, but I also resonate with Judas, too, whether I want to admit that or not. See, you and I could easily become the betrayer. We have to look no further for the evidence than the disciples. It's kind of a beautiful trait with the disciples. Like I know a lot of time they get like a lot of crap for being dumb and just kind of going with the flow, which I resonate with. That's kind of all right. But like, I love the trait of their group. Like they lived life together and they knew each other so well, they didn't even suspect Judas. Their first initial thought is what? Lord, is it me? Am I the one? None of them said, Lord, is it Judas? And trust me, if I was at the table, like I would, I'd be like, it's Judas. You guys are... It's him. Like, it's definitely not me. It's him. I'm loyal. But it kind of spurs a question of like, God, me? They still had the question about their own heart. They spent all this time with Jesus, and they still had a question about their own heart. No matter how much time they had spent, they still believed that it's a possibility that they possibly could be the betrayer. See, you believers, you must be careful not to underestimate your own potential for betrayal. Immediately following the Last Supper story, if you pick up, uh, Jesus predicts Peter's denial and his betrayal. So if the disciples thought it could be them, couldn't it be you or I? And if there's one problem with being the one, if that betrayer, it's that betrayers always get what's coming to them. And Judas did. And Judas wasn't a slouch to these guys. See, they trusted Judas with all their money. He was a guy that they they were like, you got the purse, we'll let you have it. It wasn't so obvious to them who the betrayer was. Judas had a love for money. It was his weakness, we know this, but it's also his strength. But a weakness so much so, he chose his love for money over his love for Jesus. Jesus. What's the weakness in your life that could cause you to betray the trust of those closest to you? Keeps a wedge between you and God that you pick over Jesus. See, the enemy even uses our strengths because we are good at what we do. We start to let that rule our lives and it sows destruction. But what I love and I don't want to miss about the Passover story and the relationship between Judas and Jesus is that you can choose to follow Jesus. I love the scene between Judas and Jesus. There's this chaos around the table, right? Like if you were with your best friends and they're at the table and they're like, one of you here is going to betray me. I I just imagine it. Like, I don't know if you ever take your parents to Applebee's or something, or Texas Roadhouse. And they're like, it's too loud in here. You know, like, but you're like talking at a normal level and you're like, whoa, slow down, dad. Put your hearing aid in. Let's get this going. Uh, He doesn't wear a hearing aid. I need to say that because he'll probably watch. Um, But, like, I kind of imagined that to where if you would talk at, like, a lower level, the people around you wouldn't be able to hear. And one of the things that I think is so interesting is Jesus, his his betrayer, Judas, is sitting right next to him. And so one of the most craziest things about the story to me is that I think, Uh, not only does he get this special place at Jesus's table, but they have this moment, this interaction where everyone else is going crazy. Everyone else is like, is it me? Is it him? Is it someone else? Like, what is Jesus talking about? There's no way. We're super loyal. There's no way anybody in this table, in this room right now would betray him. Do you know what we've been through? Do you know what we've done together? Do Do you know? And, and Judas kind of leans over and he, and he says, what? He said, like, Lord, is it me? And Jesus says, you, you said it. I, and, and no one else knows what's happening. See, in the warning of Jesus, we find profound love for Judas. One of the things, I, I think it's so hard, like if you've had someone close to you betray you, it's so hard to still not look at them with so much love in your eyes. And I can't imagine Jesus looking at him any different. And he said, well, you said it. And this was kind of his last fleeting opportunity to turn back from his evil plot. And how hard it must have been for Jesus having that moment with Judas there, being the only person at the table who knew what was happening. See, even knowing it's treachery, I can see Jesus having that moment with Judas with such love. How in the world could you even do that? See, I'll I'll pray for my betrayers, but it'll sound way more like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you away from me. (laughs) Please, Lord, escort those who would ruin my vibe and ruin the unity of my table into a different state where they can be forgotten and a hedge of protection around my state that they surely will not dare to pass. I I feel like that's much more my prayer. That's much more my style uh, that hasn't worked yet, Um, but I'm going to keep praying it. But here's the thing that, here's the thing that hurts the most. And and I feel like uh, this hurts me so I can see that it would hurt Jesus in this moment. I get really upset when people don't take me for my word. The people who know me closest, the people who have seen me live my life, the people who have seen me uh, sacrifice everything for them. I give you my time. I give you my talents. I give you my treasures. What else do you want from me? And there's a part of me, there's this thing that keeps popping up that I'm sure Jesus is just yelling all the time of like, you know me. At the inner core of my being, you're in my circle. You know me. You know everything about me at my worst, at my best. Sometimes I think Jesus is saying that to me or you. Man, you, you know me. Why do you live as if there's no inner transformation? Why are you living as if there's no true cleansing of your sin? Like you're not free from that. You know me. Why do you live as if there's no word and will of God in your life and in your hearts? You know me. Why do you live as if there's no new and close relationship with Jesus? See, we still choose to pick our sins sometimes. We betray our job, our bosses, children, our spouses. I work with students. We, we sometimes betray our future selves. We still do that, though, as adults. We'll always be torn between our sin and our Jesus. Even though you may be the Judas at someone else's table, this is what I love the most. There's still a place set for you. Right next to the king. Jesus came for no separation. So I'll stand right near treachery. Separating you from your sin. But the next move, that's you. Here's what we can't forget Jesus is in on it. Jesus set the stage. And guess what? He's in on yours too. You can deceive, betray, choose to put your love and loyalty somewhere else, but you can't hide it. Here's another truth you're still loved in your treachery. In your betrayal, you are deeply loved the betrayals you've sown, the people you've hurt. Jesus is calling you to repentance. Jesus is calling you to pick a better way. And it's your choice to choose now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for a chance to uh, be here in your community. God, thank you for giving us these people. Uh, And God, first and foremost, I just want to thank you so much uh, that you are a God who always puts a seat at the table for us. God, we love you, we praise you, in your name, amen.